Thank you very much, Governor General Mukaran, for joining me on the broadcast, The Invisible Man 733 Presents. Once again, our guest today is Governor General Ajani Mukaran from the Afro-Descended Nation. And I will give him the opportunity to say a few words about himself. So if you could just tell us a few words about yourself, sir. Yes, uh, my name is Ajani Mukaram. I am the Governor General for the Afro-Descendant Nation. I came into this work in the uh, 1990s, actually. 1990, I joined on with the Lost Foundation of Islam and assisted the Honorable Silas Muhammad with his international work and human rights work and uh, have been a minister for him. Uh, I have, in fact, been his chief minister, and I have been uh, in his government, the budding government, uh, I should not say his government, but the Afro-Descendant Nation government when it was first formed. And I can give you more details as we talk, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I am a freedom fighter for Afro-Descendants, and I look forward, this is my lifelong work, to see Afro-Descendants set back on the world stage and become a nation again. Okay, well, I think you just led into my first question. Who or what is an Afro-descendant, please, sir? Okay, let me give you who are Afro-descendants. And before I give you that, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, the Honorable Silas Muhammad, uh, back in the 1990s, said that black people in the Americas, more specifically at the time, he was talking about black people in the United States of America, but he even broadened his horizon as he started to do the work, that we had lost our identity. And, and, and you know what an identity is. It's who someone is, who a person is, the quality, beliefs, etc., that make a particular person or a group different from others. Yes, sir. And without an identity, we're virtually unknown. And, 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 and so black people here in the United States of America have gone through many name changes. We were once slaves and we were then once called nigger, which is an ugly, ugly word. We became Negroes. We started saying we were black, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. They changed that quickly and made us African-Americans. And, and, and today, we are using a term called Afro-descendant. The Honorable Silas Muhammad said, when I first started working with him in the UN, that we were a lost, found people. And he tried to establish that name, lost, found people, okay. to no avail. Can, can, can I get you to slow down? Yes. Our listeners, uh, they may have heard the term. So let's... Take a step backward. Afro-descendant is a person. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying Afro-descendant is a person. Oh, okay. Just like the black man is a person. Okay. Just like the African-American is called a person. Just like okay. we were once the so-called Negro a person. Yes, the Afro-descendant is a person. Okay. And, 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 and so the, the term that the Honorable Silas Muhammad was trying to set forth as an identity or a word to identify not only individuals, but individuals as a collective. He wanted now, us to now, 
this is what I wanted to say. The heart of the question begins with, who is this person, Silas Muhammad? If you could update the listening audience on that, not extensively, but just give them an understanding of who he is, and then we can put the pieces together a little better. So who is Silas Muhammad? The Honorable Silas Muhammad is a member or was a member under the Nation of Islam under the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, peace be upon him. The, the Honorable Silas Muhammad was given the name, Silas Abu Bakr was given the name Muhammad by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who was his spiritual, or he is the spiritual son of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He was the person when the Nation of Islam fell after the death of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, stood and returned to Chicago when Imam Warif Dean Muhammad, the son of Elijah Muhammad, was running it to set us back on the right path. Okay, ju just a minute. So, Mr. Cyrus Muhammad, and you refer to him as the Honorable Cyrus Muhammad, is not the physical son. He is the spiritual son of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and we say peace be upon him. Yes? So that's, that's correct. correct? Okay, so his flesh and blood physical son Wallace Muhammad, who changed his name to what? Warf Dean. Yes, sir. Okay. So that is the distinction. He is the spiritual son, and Warth or Wallace D. Muhammad is the physical son. Correct. Okay. Now, let's get back to you said identity. So he reestablished, meaning the Honorable Silas Muhammad reestablished the lost and found nation of Islam after the passing of the most honorable Muhammad, peace be upon him. And after a term, he decided that there needed to be more done. Is that what you're saying? He, he was thinking that we, not only because we were thinking that the lost foundation of Islam was a religion. Oh. When really, in fact, the lost foundation of Islam was set up as a nation. Hmm. And, and so he was trying to establish us an identity like Americans in yes, the sir. United States of America. And that's where you get Americans. He was trying to me. establish an identity for us. That's where you get the term lost found. So you're inside of an action that he was participating in with the U.N. Correct. OK, so what time was this, if I may ask? This was. Initially, the seminars were in the late 1990s up until early 2000s. Okay. When he, as early as the year 2000 in Santiago, Chile, there was a regional seminar sponsored by the United Nations, which I attended. Yeah, and at I'm that going, seminar, there yeah. were some, there were some uh, nations, Brazil, or yes, sir. I should say black people in nations of Brazil, <laughs> Colombia, Peru, uh, uh, Chile, calling themselves Afro-descendants. Now, ho ho hold it. You said you were there. I was there. What physically. was the name of the city? I was in Santiago, Chile. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. In the year of 2000. Okay. All right. Go on. And, 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 and in that, I gave a talk, a, really what we call was an intervention to the people, and of my conviction on the term lost found people, I miss that they were already calling themselves Afro descendants. Oh. And so 
Later on, there was another regional seminar. This would take place in March of 2002. It, again, was a United Nations-sponsored seminar for yes, sir. in La Ciba, Honduras. Okay. And it's there that Mr. Muhammad heard loud and clear that the people in the Americas, besides those of us in the United States, wanted to use the term Afro-descendants. In fact, okay. ready yeah. before Before you get into that, in, in my mind, I heard something about Peru. Yes. Is there anything that happened in Peru? Yeah, there was another, there was another, uh, sem in fact, there were some, several seminars, regional okay. seminars. Yes, there sir. was one in Santiago, Chile. That there you was attended. one in Montreal, Canada. Okay. And there was you one attended. in Chincha, Peru. That's the term. That's the funny word, Chincha, Peru. Yes. And I you was got there as well. And there. in Montreal as well. Oh, yes, sir. So now tell me about Peru before we go into Honduras, if you would. In Peru, there were uh, a number of countries sponsored by uh, a, a trip sponsored by the Lost Foundation of Islam and the United Nations. The Lost Foundation of Islam put up monies to help those who couldn't afford to travel to get there. And yes, we, we flew into Lima and we actually were uh, bussed over to what's called Chincha, Peru, which mm -hmm. still had some of the African culture. It was a black community or <laughs> descendants from Africa. And yes, they really sir. still had traditions. They were dancing, beating drums. Yes. The only thing, they looked just like me who's here speaking English, but they spoke Spanish because yes. the former slave master in Peru was a Spanish-speaking person. Oh. And so they mimicked the characteristics of their former slave master, just like we in the United States mimic the characteristics of our former slave master. Great Britain. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm following you. And the language. Yes, and the sir. religion. Yes, and sir. mostly... The culture as well. Oh, <laughs> truly, you are speaking uh, what is a fact. Correct. Can you can you can you give us the timeline timeline again? Uh, the intervention, which one came first? Before we get to La Saba. And in, in, in December of mm -hmm. two thousand was Santiago, Chile. That was the okay. first one that I I, I attended. Yes, sir. Uh, regional seminars. Yes, the sir. The second one was in Montreal, Canada. Now, now, may I ask you a question about Montreal, Canada? I yes. have heard some rumblings, and this is uh, reported to be, I want to ask you, is it a fact? There was some person who said that they were not lost. Correct. Could you address that issue? I, was, I was talking uh, from the podium that we had a loss of identity and that the Honorable Silas Muhammad wanted me to introduce to you an identity that could collectively house us all. And that term was lost found peoples. And one of the sisters stood up in the audience and said, well, I'm not lost. Hmm. I'm from this particular state and this particular uh, city. So mm -hmm. I know who I am, I'm not lost. She's speaking geographically. Geographically, she was talking. She oh, was talking about the mindset. Okay. Having been displaced, displaced of her culture, religion, and original mother tongue. Okay. That's what I had reference to when I was talking laws. Now, you're going to have to explain that a little clearer because I'm, I'm beginning to get a picture. So she says, oh, I know who I am. I know where I'm at. And she felt she was correct. Yes. She said she wasn't lost. And so she wasn't... She wasn't uh, amenable to the term lost found peoples. Mm. 
So what was your response? I, I, I responded that, well, I'm not talking you lost in terms of where you're located. I'm talking <laughs> you were lost in terms of being stolen from Africa and, and lost your identity, your culture, your religion, and your language. Wow. I mean, we are today, or at that time, and still are, we were a stateless people, having been stolen from our original land and brought here as slaves and property of another man. Yes, sir. It caused us to lose our identity. Wow. My goodness. How did she respond to such a revelation? She, she, she actually was upset. And I don't think that she heard me clearly because she yes, went sir. on to say, I will not accept the term lost, found people. Oh, okay. So this is in Montreal. In Montreal, Canada, correct. And the next event, please. The next event took place in Chincha, Peru. And that's where I say we were, we were talking. And we had there in Chincha, Peru, one of the subcommissioners, Jose Bengoa, Mm -hmm. who, who who helped to sponsor these regional seminars. And he was acting as a liaison between uh, the South American uh, uh, Spanish-speaking people and the North American from the United States English-speaking people. Mm -hmm. And it was like a family reunion. It was mm -hmm. as if I was looking at my brothers and my sisters and my cousins and my uncles and my aunts. But the only difference, I was speaking English and they were speaking Spanish. And so yes, we sir. had to have translators at these meetings, translating from Spanish to English for us and for, from English to Spanish from them. Additionally, there were people there from Brazil speaking Portuguese. Wow. Because their former slave masters spoke Portuguese. So mm. translating from English, depending on the headset you put, picked up, into <laughs> Portuguese and Spanish. Or trans translating from Spanish into English and Portuguese. So you're saying, you're saying that basically you could not communicate face to face without a translator. That's correct. That's really nerve wracking, isn't it? It is nerve wracking. The, the, oh. the thing that I noticed that the Brazilians were a bit more savvy in terms of language than the rest of us because mm -hmm. the Brazilians were speaking Portuguese, Spanish, and English. Some mm -hmm. of them, not all of them. Yes, sir. But some of them were so scholarly, they were able to speak all three languages fluently. Okay. Not all of them. Some of them were yes, like They could only speak English in a broken Spanish, as I'm able to do, or they could only speak Portuguese in a broken English but some of them were fluent in, in, in all okay. languages. So was there anything exciting about Peru other the, than the talks that stand out in your mind? The thing about Peru that was really exciting was to see that they reflected and resembled a culture, part of the rhythmic from Africa, the drums and the beating and, and the music, just like we do. And, but they adapted their own culture based on their experiences in Peru, like we'd have done in the America with our jazz and our blues. Oh, yes, but sir. But we still have some of the rhythm of the African, which is in our nature and in our DNA. Oh, well, now the next step would be Honduras? Yeah, La Ceiba, Honduras. And, okay. And, and uh, the year 2002, there were... 19 countries gathered there 
from the Western Hemisphere. And that was March of 2002. And it was there that the Honorable Silas Muhammad, after himself talking about us being a lost found people, decided to acquiesce and accept the term Afro-descendant. Wait a minute. Don't use such a big word. What does acquiesce mean? Acquiesce means to give way. Oh, okay. To take a step back. To 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 uh, come to some uh, understanding. Compromise. It was a compromise. Oh, I heard that word before. Okay, so are we now into the phase where we're talking about the development of a nation for us? I, with, yeah, we're talking about this term Afro descendants mm-hmm. to identify okay. a collection of people, two hundred and fifty million throughout oh. the slavery diaspora. All right. See South again. South America, Central America, North mm-hmm. America, and the Caribbean islands. That's considered the slavery diaspora. Correct. Victims of the uh, Atlantic slave trade. Transatlantic. That's correct. For, of the transatlantic slave oh, trade. Oh, okay. That's All right. So, and so when he heard the term, he said, "I will accept it." Yes, sir. And he 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 said that uh, he had a meeting with uh, the chairperson, who I think was from Cuba. And the two of them had not really had, uh, were seeing, they were not really seeing eye to eye. And so when they met at the dinner, he had not told her that he accepted it. He just said, I want, she said, what do you want to talk to me about? He said, well, I thought this meeting was arranged so we could talk together, but I want to talk about this term Afro-descendant. And I have written some some points to give definitions to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I can accept the term. And and I will tell you the definition he 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 actually had written down on Supply. a napkin okay. at the time. Yes, sir. So who are Afro-descendants? The term Afro-descendant refers to people who were forcibly dispossessed of their homeland, Africa. Number two. It refers to people who were transported to the Americas and the slavery diaspora for the purpose of enslavement. Number three, they were subjected to slavery. Number four, it refers to people who were subjected to forced mixed breeding and rape. Number five, it refers to people who have experienced through force the loss of mother tongue, culture, and religion. And number six, it refers to a people who have experienced racial discrimination due to lost ties from their original identity. And so that definition fits me because Mm -hmm. I am the descendant of plantation slavery in the United States of America. That definition fits those in Peru fits those in Colombia, fits those in Brazil who were brought there for the purposes of enslavement, whether they served a day in slavery, but they are the descendants of those who were subjected to slavery oh, okay. and lost their identity. And culture. So that is the long and short of who and what an Afro-descendant is. Yes. Okay, let's proceed if we can. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but what is the Afro-descendant nation? The, the Afro-descendant nation is the nation of these, these people who fit this identity. And it originally 
was born out of the Lost Foundation of Islam. Now, members of the Lost Foundation of Islam are also Afro-descendant people, but we thought we needed a broader definition since we now have a new political identity that's accepted by the UN that represents 250 million slave descendants. It's our political identity and connects us with 250 other people. So the Afro-descendant nation is a nation in its embryonic state, its baby stage, mm -hmm. that is putting together a constitution for, for Afro-descendants, that's putting together the framework, just like when the United States of America was colonies for Great Britain, and they met in secret and began to put together a structure to form a United States of America and become a sovereign nation. The Afro-descendant nation, it is our prayer and it is our hope to one day become a sovereign nation because the United Nations uh, bylaws and the United Nations covenant says, Article 1, that people have the right to be a self-determining people. And we oh. see the Afro-descendant nation as that, that pathway, that bridge, if you will, for us yes, to start sir. to self-determine and, and to figure out what it is we want to be and how we want to govern ourselves and how we want to educate our own children, what kind of culture we want to have, what language we want to speak. Since we're splintered and we're under so many different rulerships, cultures, and language, we see the Afro-descendant nation as a place to house all of us collectively under one government. Okay, let me say a statement. I have heard that we have the legal right to self-determination. Can you explain that and where it came from? Yes, that comes from Article 1 um, from the United Nations. Let's see if I can actually pull that up and read it to you. No, no, first. no. Just I heard that the Honorable Cyrus Muhammad said that. And he, he said that in one of his lectures that we have the legal right to self-determination. Oh, yeah. He said it. But he oh, gets okay. it from the UN doctrine. Oh, yes, sir. It, well, that's it's all... actually Article 1 of a UN doctrine. Okay. On well, international covenant uh, on, on civil and political rights, Article okay. One states that we have the right; those of us in community with others of likeness have the right to be a self-determining people. That's okay. where he gets that from. Yes, sir. Well, I, I I don't want to get you to pull up too much information. We're closing into the last few minutes because at the moment this is only half an hour. But I hope you'll come back and share some more information. So, self-determination is our right. But speaking of rights, are we receiving human rights here in this society, uh, the United States, and could it be better, or can you address that issue? Okay, so, so, so in terms of the United States of America, and you can just look at the recent history of the United States of America. Although they say we all are citizens, we are treated differently. Thus, there is this uh, platform going on now that Black Lives Matter. Yes, sir. And, 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 and the reason that platform is because we are treated indiscriminately. We are murdered at a higher rate. We are pulled over. We are, 
we feel, we feel the prisons up. We're only about 12 to 13% of the population. But when you look at the amount, the disproportionate amount of us in the jail cell, not just black men, but black women. And, yes, and, sir. And, and so there's really no freedom, justice, and equality in the United States of America for black people, for Afro-descendant people. And so okay. we're looking for a nation that gives us rights and human rights and freedom, justice, and equality. So that would be the Afro-descendant nation, which was born from the lost foundation of Islam. That's correct. Okay, we have just a few minutes left. Let's deal with reparations, which is a hot-button topic. Where does the Afro-descendant nation stand on it, and what is reparations? Okay, the, the term reparations, which most people are quite aware of now, uh, they understand that reparation is defined as a repairing or the act of making amends, offering expiation or giving satisfaction for a wrong or an injury. Something done or given as amends to satisfy a wrongdoing or a damage. And so because we went through plantation slavery, which was one of the most heinous crimes since hu humans have been on the earth, we, just like other people who've gone through crimes from one nation given to another nation, deserve recompense or repair. Reparation in itself is a principle of law that's that has existed for centuries, referring to the obligation of a wrongdoing party to redress the damage caused to the injured party. That sounds very serious. And we have a little under uh, five minutes. So as we begin to wrap up, is there something that you would like for the listening audience to take away from our conversation today? Because I know you will be back. I hope that you will give me a little more time and give us more understanding. Can you give us a few final thoughts concerning human rights, self-determination and reparations and the Afro-descendant nation, please, sir? Yes, 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 yes. So, 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 so let me, let me first deal with human rights and human rights are the basic standards of which people need, need to live or have so they can live in dignity without human rights or these basic standards, people cannot live in dignity to violate someone's human rights is to treat that person as though she or he were not a human being. Thus the term chattel slavery. It equates, it takes a human being and reduces them down to property. And, and, and even inside of the United States of America constitution, they never changed the concept that black people in the United States were three fifths of a human. Now they said they did it, such that the South wouldn't have a stronger voting right and, and have their former slaves vote as a whole person. So they classed us as three-fifths. Well, what about today? Why haven't they? Aren't there such things as amendments to the Constitution? Yes, sir. So they, they still leave us without our complete human rights. And because they have done this damage to us, that's what introduced or you have you asked me the question about reparations. Mm -hmm. 
And that's that repair or making amends for a wrongdoing. Now, here's the one thing I want your audience to get. Reparation is not necessarily a check. It's not necessarily education. It's not necessarily welfare. Under international law, it says reparation must, as far as possible, wipe out all the consequences of the illegal act and reestablish the situation which would, in all probability, have existed if that act had not been committed. So if we were never, our foreparents never brought into slavery, never lost our original language, never lost our culture, never came under the religion of another man, where would we be in the world after 400 plus years, almost 500 years, where could we be in our own nation? Under international law, reparation must put us back where we would have been not 400 years ago, but 450 plus years in the future. It must wipe out all the consequences. I want your audience to get that. So reparation can be land, money, nation, Air Force, Army, protection, 50 to 70 years until we are able to establish and go for ourselves. Like the Jewish people receive land, money, and support for years and years, and they still get support, and they yes, are a sovereign nation. That's what I want your audience to get. We want to be a sovereign nation again. We want reparations to make us whole again. We want to reestablish the 250 million lost stateless people back into a state that they can call their own. Well, we have only time for me to close out. I want to thank you, Governor General uh, Johnny Mukaram from the Afro-Descended Nation. And this has been the Invisible Man 733 Presents. I pray that you will come back and update us with more information. I sure will. Thank you so much. And once again, this has been Invisible Man 733 Presents. Goodbye.